It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Is Tony Pollard finally peaking at the right time? All that and more in this episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use promo code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. On today's show, we're going to break down some of our notes after watching the All-22 film from the Cowboys' win over the, the Commanders in Week 18. We've got a lot of interesting notes and nuggets, but Lynn, I want to start with the running backs in this one. Yeah. And I want to preface all this by saying the defense that Washington had out there was pretty rough. I mean, yeah. they, they were yeah. missing several starters. Sure. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself here. However, just based on how they like physically looked, I thought Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle looked really good. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we're looking for right now. I mean, success and, and and yardage. I mean, obviously that can be taken, you know, with a grain of salt. But as far as like how they're physically moving, I think that all looked very positive as for two guys that, you know, Pollard still kind of working his way back from that multitude of injuries that happened, you know, at the end of last season. And and Dowdle, who has had a recent ankle injury that has kind of had him in and out of the lineup a little bit. So it was really good to see them get out there, make plays, like not just kind of go through the motion and allow people to kind of get a bunch of yards before contact, like seeing them take hits, make plays in the backfield, catching passes. I mean, like think about the the Pollard catch that he made on that fade route for the first down early Mm -hmm. in the game. Um, You know, just like the athleticism that's involved in some of the runs that he was doing where I think there was a, there was an outside run where it, he was corralled by like three guys and it was easily going to be like a three or four yard loss. And he kind of slaloms around a couple guys and able to get a two yard gain out of it. And mm-hmm. uh, I think there was another run that took them down to what was it? I think the two yard line, if I, if I remember correctly, where Pollard's just, you know, di- you know, g- getting in and out of guys, like running through guys. And again, Keeping in mind who they're playing, I understand, you know, that all that, but still the athleticism involved in, in kind of making those moves is, uh, is, is it, it, it requires a healthier Pollard yeah. than what we've seen, especially early in the season. And then Dowdle, I, I mean, just we weren't sure what, I mean, at least I wasn't sure what we were going to get from Dowdle. I mean, he, he hasn't been playing, he's had this ankle injury, he hasn't, you know, he, the, he played a little bit on the ankle injury and, and just wasn't, you know, quite the athlete that we're used to, right? 
He looked healthy, but I think man. he looked healthy in that game, and 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 he looked like comfy. You know, he had. I I thought it was very funny in the game when we were watching it. He had that series where I thought it was the same play that they ran twice, but it ends up it wasn't. It wasn't a, a the first time where he dropped the pass the first time, and the second time he caught it and ran twenty three yeah. yards. It was a slant flat the first time, classic dragon for for McCarthyites. Uh, and then uh, a, a stick flat. That was the uh, second one where he gets out of the backfield, catches the ball with so much room around him. And that burst that we were used to, the physicality at the end of the runs, though, that was all there. And then you add in all the, the, the good pass protection stuff we saw from those guys. Uh, I, I think, you know, they ended up accounting for 187, 186 total yards of offense and a touchdown. Um, and it, it, it's, they were just relied upon a lot and, and they looked comfortable and, and, and uh, that was a really positive thing to see, especially again on that really crappy turf, you know, the really yeah, crappy yeah. grass that, that Washington has. So that was really positive to see. Uh, I want to mention a couple of PFF things really quickly. And again, I know PFF grades are not the end all be all, but I think it does give you a good idea of where a player is at. So yeah. first 10 weeks of the season, Tony Pollard had a PFF grade of 66.4. That was actually kind of below average for the starting running back level in the NFL since week 11, 80.4. I think that's the third highest in the NFL during that span. Now it hasn't been perfect. He's still, we're still waiting for him to bust some of these longer runs, but you can tell he's just so much healthier than he was early in the year. And I do feel better about him going into the playoffs, especially now that the Cowboys are playing at home, right? If they were going to play at Tampa Bay, or somewhere else, you always worry about those conditions. But I think in Dallas, I expect him to look pretty good against this Green Bay defense on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. And and I think the other thing, too, is it, that I honestly feel like is just as important is the healthy Dowdle because you, oh, in order yeah. to keep in order to keep Pollard healthy and keep you know, that kind of production, um, you know, it, it's it's you need that alternate guy who you can trust to get positive play positively so that you can give him the relief that he needs. So it, it, having both of them healthy helps each other in a way that is, uh, uh, that can't be you know dismissed. I'm curious to see how much they use Dowdle in a playoff game. Like what, what's their level of trust for Dowdle or Dowdle in a, you know, big game against the Packers. Does he get five touches or is it just one of these games where they lean so heavily on Tony Pollard to carry the work. Uh, I'm curious. One other guy that I want to mention quickly, um, Hunter Lipke, our other running back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to let you do it. Why don't you go ahead and tell the people what you saw from Hunter Lipke this week? Well, first of all, I, I speaking of PFF grades are not the, the end all be all of them. I think that he got very royally screwed by PFF. But second of all, I, I, I think he had a five point two pass blocking grade. That was week. just ridiculous. And and frankly, it's especially ridiculous because the thing. Okay. <laughs> Let me back up. Marcus and I uh, were, or maybe he has it, but John and I have been talking about this, uh, this one specific play where you saw Hunter Lipke and TJ Bass take, I think it was uh, Deron Deron Payne Payne. for a ride. Like, and I'm pretty sure that they did that. One of those on a pass uh, protection uh, uh, situation as well, where, and I actually put this in my notes, they did some very kind of interesting pass protection stuff with the backs where they were chipping for the guard. Right, like they, they they isolated the tackles, and then Lipke would line up kind of closer to the line of scrimmage, almost yeah. like you would normally, like a fullback. And then TJ Bass would kind of work inside, pushing the guy outside, and then Lipke was on the outside, kind of double teaming him. Then you, what you ended up getting was uh, both of your guards in pass protection situations 
working with double teams, which is exactly what you want, right? You don't want to isolate these two youngsters. It's like duo uh, for pass blocking. Yeah, it's like duo for pass protection. It was it was pretty interesting. So, uh, yeah, and, and then on top of that, just burying dudes, like getting guys out of the way, like getting holes, finishing guys on the ground. Yeah. I'm a big Lipke fan. I, I, I've said my piece. I, I, we will move on, but I, I'm well, glad that he's one on. more running back thing for the people listening yeah. to the podcast. Some quotations. We saw Cavante Turpin in the yes. backfield. Uh, something that we've been kind of wanting to see for a while. His one touch in the backfield went for like seven or eight yards. I'm not predicting it, but I won't be surprised if we see multiple touches from him this week in the backfield. Oh, <laughs> I mean, a big note in my, in my notes was, uh, you know, it's it's su- been surprisingly quiet on the Cavante oh, Turpin yeah. reception front. Yeah. He, I think he has one target in the last three games. And that's after a lot of success so far, just kind of sprinkling him as a receiver. I'm, there was a point during the season when I'm pretty sure that he was leading the team in touchdown reception, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I imagine that that is, right, Sue? Like, I imagine that they've decided to kind of, okay, let's just put him away over I, here. I think we're going to see, like, an end time. around this week or, you know, oh, a couple, like, touch yeah. passes just to try to get Green Bay's defense playing, you know, sideline to sideline. So I, we're going to see some some Cavante Turpin this week. You can bet it. I, I just I just, I thought that came to my mind real quick, and, and then we can move on. But it's interesting to me how last year the plan a lot was kind of wide receiver three by committee, and mm-hmm. it was kind of a you know by necessity, right? Because you didn't have yeah. the kind of talent that you wanted at wide receiver wide receiver three, three or wide receiver two. I, I mean, there's that too, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess it is ultimately that, but definitely wide receiver three was by committee. Yeah. Now. Yeah. You have a solid wide receiver one. You have a clear wide receiver two. And wide receiver three is by committee, but that's only because you have all these different guys that you you kind of want to get touches to. Well, that right? and it, you're just not having to worry about so many touches because you can, yeah. that wide receiver three, it's now you're talking about like six to eight touches. That's right. Yeah. Right. Rather than trying to find out who are going to be the other, how are we going to get the other 13, 14 touches figured out, you know, whenever CeeDee Lamb and, Dalton Schultz aren't touching the ball like it was well, last year. So, and ultimately, what it means is that you can get these guys. You don't have to put these guys in situations that they aren't uh, no. they aren't good at, right? Like you, you don't have to have Gallup run every single type of route in, in, on his targets. You can just have him run the routes that you feel comfortable with, or yeah. you don't have to have Tolbert do the same thing or Turpin, right? You know, all, all these guys. Like you, you can get at Brooks. I mean, they've mixed in Brooks here, right? So, I, I think that what they could do is. They have you know the set amount of oh you're gonna get Fergie six six to eight targets you're gonna get Cooks six to eight targets you're gonna get uh, CD Lamb thirty five to forty targets <laughs> in a game uh, but you, you're not gonna like you still got these extra t- you know like I don't know like six seven targets to kind of play around with where if you need to you can give them very specific looks that you know are schemed up stuff things that can get them open and 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 opportunities to make big plays. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up and it's over right now, but we've got the NFL playoffs and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed with any uh, with any bet that you place of at least $5. That is $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, you can find bets in the Explore tab. Plus, 
you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. We want to let you know that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Landon, let's talk about the guards in this game because TJ Bass and Brock Hoffman, who we didn't know was going to start until like 90 minutes before kickoff, I I thought they were incredible. Yeah, and I, I think this is we should also set the uh the standard here a little bit because even though these guys are both backup guards coming in, I think he pointed it out, right? Like Brock, you know, TJ Bass got to practice the entire week as the starter with the team, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Brock t- practiced the whole week as the backup center and then found out 90 minutes before the game that he is gonna be the starter at guard instead of Zach Martin. So crazy. uh this just crazy. So l- let's let's setting that stage. I will say that Hoffman survived the game, right? Like he, he, he didn't, he didn't get you killed. He didn't, you know, he was not the, the, uh, the part that, that, uh, you know, lost you the game or destroyed a whole bunch of plays. Uh, there was definitely a, a very welcome to the NFL moment on his first snap against Deron Payne, where he got pushed back into, uh, Dak's lap. But thank goodness we have Dak Prescott as our quarterback because he just calmly delivered a strike yep. to Cooks for a first down. Um, but you know, having said that, like considering all things, like he came into this game, not knowing that he was going to be playing at all, playing a position that he ha- doesn't play regularly. I no. mean, he, I mean, you know, he does, but in snaps, but mostly he's been focused at center. Um, and so th- considering through that lens, I thought he played really, really well. I think TJ Bass just on his level on a guy that is a backup guard, who is an undrafted free agent coming in as a starter, I think TJ Bass played fantastic. Like seriously, I, I I'm, I think TJ Bass has starter uh, offensive line qualities to him, and I think he proved it in this game. I don't know that I'm necessarily advocating for him to be the starter for the Cowboys mm-hmm. next year at guard, but I definitely think that you know in a, a year of of off season work, um, in the in the weight room, and he is going to be a starting quality uh, interior offensive lineman. I just there was just too many times when. You saw him uh, understanding what was happening to him in the pass protections, sifting through uh, uh, the twists and stunts. They really did try to like kind of get you know confuse these guards. He saw it all very well. He was moving well. He got he got to the second level and was sealing guys off. He was good in the run game. That's the area where I feel like he can improve the most a little bit, just because I think he can get a little stronger, especially if he's going to be playing guard. But I think as far as knowing his assignments, understanding when things change. 
making adjustments on the fly technique wise getting to where he needs with with you know with playing within himself not overextending when he gets to the second level so he can't even make the block on the linebacker uh all those things tj bass did like he has been a you know five or six year vet uh it just really was very impressive to see and, and, and just thinking back to the the uh, trajectory of where we've seen him come from uh, a, a, a highly thought of undrafted free agent, a guy who kind of showed you a little bit in training camps and then just kept build, building good days. And, and now we've arrived at what we saw, what was a very solid game for a undrafted free agent backup uh, rookie guard. Yeah. So I think he ended up playing 400 snaps or something like that this year, which I mean, it's pretty That's- incredible for an undrafted free agent. Um, Listen, I I don't know if he's going to end up being a starter next year because I in a perfect world you would love to have Tyron Smith back and you'd love to have sure, Tyler yeah. Smith back, but I gotta say I feel pretty confident that if he's your like your swing interior guy, I mean there's a drop off obviously from Tyler Smith yeah. and Zach Martin to him, but there's a lot of teams in the league that would love oh, to have yeah. Tyler Bass starting for them right now. Oh my god, I'll I'll, I'll throw this out there. Can he snap the football? Because I that's mean, that's something the, we should find out this offseason. Because, right, right. Uh, you know, if you don't want to necessarily pay Biotish coming out of this year, uh, you know, he could be a, a guy that could at least be a stopgap if you decided to draft a center or something like that. Right. So, I just something to consider. I mean, I, I, I don't I, hate his body for a center. It's just, no. I mean, th- there's a lot of responsibilities when it comes to being a center. Uh, but I think he's, he's gotten, he deserves the opportunity to get a bigger role next year. I think so too. And I think he seems like a pretty heady player. I mean, yeah. you know, look, being able to kind of, it, like he, he was a tackle in college and, and he moved into guard without any problems. Maybe he could just slide in a little bit more and snap the ball and, and, and be there. So uh, yeah, I, I just think he's, he's a guy that's earned opportunities through his hard work and through his solid play. And, and this, I felt like was a, just a really nice cherry to a fantastic yeah. rookie season for TJ Bass. I, I do want to give Mike McCarthy some credit here because yes. I mean, just think back to the Jason Garrett days where if you had one offensive line injury, the whole operation would fall apart. But we've seen this year, even in games where Tyron Smith doesn't play, the Cowboys can still score 30 points. The Cowboys literally lost their all pro guard 90 minutes before the game. And they, they were without both guards. And I don't, I, you didn't really notice. I mean, I, obviously those guys didn't play as well as your starting guards, but it didn't impact the operation of the game enough for it to really change anything. Uh, I mean, they had like 135 yards rushing or whatever it was. One of their best average- rushing games of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, uh, and look, I, I think you're 100% correct. McCarthy deserves a lot of credit here because if you look at this, this is something that McCarthy has been able to accomplish through multiple offensive line coaches, oh, right? Yeah. So this isn't just like an offensive line coach who seems to be uh, particularly adept at adjusting protections or whatever to like, this is a, this is a schematic thing. I think that McCarthy is able to do uh, yes. in order to protect his offense and understands how to change the, 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 you know, just make tweaks here and there to better better support the, the the backups that you have in the game. So, yeah, like, again, there's one thing that I don't think that McCarthy gets enough credit for, and that's small adjustments to personnel that make a difference in the schematic you yes. know, changes that have to be made due to injury. The Cowboys have been so, so, so much better about dealing with injuries on the offensive line and shuffling guys around and not making it look like, you know, circus music is playing in the background while it's happening. So it's really uh, impressive. I want to give a shout out to uh, our friends at Lot on Packers. Uh, Peter had 
Bob Sturm on today, and, and he was actually talking about that same thing. It's in, in the previous um, coaching staff, it just felt like a house of cards where they had injuries. For Mike, Mike McCarthy, it's like he almost welcomes injuries sometimes during the season because it gives them a chance to build up their depth, um, and it gives them a chance to find players. And like TJ Bass, was it week three? TJ Bass got the start yeah. for the Cowboys. It didn't go particularly well. Uh, there was also a game against the Jets, I think, in week two, where Zach Martin got injured. He played like 50 snaps in that game. And now at the at the end of the season, you're better for it. I, I mean, you feel pretty good that if something were to happen to one of your starting guards in the playoff game now, that T.J. Bass can come in and not ruin the operation. So I just wanted to give McCarthy some credit for that. I want to go to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I mean, the Cowboys, for the most part, dominated on defense. But there was one player that kind of stood out to both you and I when we were watching the All-22. We'll get to him next. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, all you have to do is pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize picks is the most fun that I've ever had playing DFS because there's just so many different players and stat projections to choose from. Plus, prize picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use promo code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use promo code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Every day or so on tomorrow's show, we're going to answer your Twitter questions ahead of the Cowboys wild card matchup against the Green Bay Packers. On Thursday's show, we've got Peter Bukowski uh, and the crossover show, and then Landon, you and I on Friday to get you ready for the NFL playoffs. But before we head out, just really quickly, wanted to mention Dorrance Armstrong because you had a really cool stat on Armstrong that I want you to share. Yeah, I, I, it took me a, a second to figure this out. And this, I, I actually discovered this by uh, being on the wrong page of P, uh, Pro Football Reference. I, I, I discovered that Dorrance Armstrong has finished the last two seasons. You know, the last two seasons and the last three games of the season, he's had a three-game sack streak going into the playoffs. And, and, and it's just – it's really, really impressive that, you know, this is a guy that it, we, and I think we've even talked about earlier, that is very easily forgotten on this team. Oh, you know, no. you, you've got Micah Parsons, you've got Demarcus Lawrence, you know, even Fowler kind of overshadows Armstrong in a lot of ways because of 
you know, his uh, previous pedigree and, and, and just the kind of timing of stuff. But there is no one that is more of a glue guy on the Cowboys. Like he is this. I, I think I'll, de- I'll declare this now. Doran Armstrong is the glue guy for the Dallas Cowboys, right? He, he is, does all the little things. He does all the little things he has. He's had, you know, like 16 and a half sacks or something like that in the last two seasons. He's, you know, the maybe their best special teams player, including you know, definitely their best special team, like punt blocker, kick blocker. Mm-hmm. He's the, I'm pretty sure was the highest rated uh, special teams player in the league last year. Yep. Uh, and, and I think, you know, has had his job kind of reduced a little bit because they wanted him to play more defense this year. But again, another guy that in all of this, moving around of demarcus lawrence and parsons and putting parsons in the spot where he can you know thrive the best it's armstrong that makes it work right it's armstrong that is the guy that oh we're putting parsons here uh, then that means that we got to find somebody to fill his spot over there okay let's put armstrong there oh parsons is playing on the outside well we need another pass rusher inside and demarcus lawrence is on the left side so who are we going to have rushing the three technique oh let's throw armstrong in there exactly. oh we need a drop in who's going to drop into pass coverage uh zones because uh you're doing like some, a fire zone blitz oh let's put armstrong over there he is just the guy that you throw at the problems that you have and he makes it work, you know? And, and I just, I wanted to make sure that this guy, especially going into the playoffs, he gets the credit that he deserves because Super Bowl teams have guys like on this, these guys on these teams. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's not someone that you draft in the first round. It's not someone that you prioritize in free agents, a free agency, Good NFL teams, they find these guys and they yeah. develop them, right? And and the Cowboys have one of them that is, I think, you know, able to wear all these different hats and play at a at a you know a very high level at all of it. Uh, and and if the Cowboys make a run in in the playoffs this year, I have I have a feeling that a lot of the credit will not go to, but should go to uh, a guy like Dorrance Armstrong. Yeah, and he's the type of guy that could swing a playoff game because you know Micah Parsons is going to get a ton of attention. Demarcus Lawrence is going to move around, and we expect him to have a big game against Green Bay. Can Dorrance Armstrong like get a sack and a half against the left tackle in one-on-one situations? Can he make a big run stop? Or in a third and six, can he get a pass deflection that gets the Cowboys off the field? It's those the type of players that ultimately decide these games. And – I I feel really good going into this Packers game that maybe it's Armstrong that has that big game. Dante Fowler as a situational pass rusher the last couple of weeks has been really impactful. Uh, Somebody like that. The Cowboys have a lot of different names that can help you out, but Armstrong really is one of the forgotten heroes on this defense. Yeah. And, And again, just on special teams as well. And and the fact that he's been a cowboy his entire career. I mean, like it feels like he's been with the team for like a decade plus and he's like, you know, 22 years, he's 26, but he's, it feels like he's 22 years old still. One more guy, just really quickly. I, yeah. I thought Jordan Lewis, again, played a really good yeah. game. He's going to be another big one because you're going up against a Packers team that loves to play three and four wide receivers. They have a tight end that is basically a receiver in Luke Musgrave. Um, they like to run it out of, you know, shotgun, out of three receiver looks. Jordan Lewis is another one who has made a bunch of big plays. In this game, he had the strip uh, on Brian Robinson early in the first quarter. Uh, recovered the fumble. He's the guy that, again, I it's him and Dorrance Armstrong are two guys that could flip the games for the Cowboys in the playoffs. It wasn't just a strip, too. It was Jordan Lewis filling the B-gap and yeah, stopping Robinson's momentum in the B-gap and then taking the ball. I mean, 
I have seen a cornerback sun some wide receivers before. I don't know that I've ever seen a cornerback stuff a running back in the B gap and then take the ball from his hands. Like that's baller move. J yeah. J Lou and, 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 and uh, Wilson both have really, really come on these last two weeks. Yes. And I, I, and I was just saying in my notes too, when you have your second and third tier playmakers starting to wake and wake up at the end of the year, man, that, that means that your defense is, yeah. could be in for something special coming up in these next few weeks. All right, that is it for today's show. We want to thank you for making Lockdown Cowboys your first listen every single day. Go check out the channel on YouTube. We post videos every day over there. Go follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are free and available on all platforms. Follow Landon on Twitter, at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you right back here tomorrow. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.